So what is it that people are searching for today? Some interesting words crop up in our language you've never heard before. I wonder what that means. Like mindfulness and wellness. Well, mindfulness, according to what I looked up, means living in the moment, bringing gentle curiosity to your present experience, mental training for well-being and resilience. Whatever that all means. <laughs> and then wellness. Um, in the papers of the last few days, Charlotte Church singer turned wellness guru. The Welsh singer Charlotte Church has opened the eco-friendly wellness retreat in the countryside for you to nourish your soul. That sounds good. The wellness retreat is called The Dreaming. The Dreaming's website invites the, the soul voyager. You're getting this. Are you a soul voyager? The soul voyager saying, your whole being deserves the chance to find peace and to dream. Isn't that sound wonderful? The most expensive room, the Forest Spirits, is £900 per person. So it'll cost you to get well and have your mind at peace. I think Jesus offered something else for nothing. Jesus in the upper room with his disciples towards the end of his ministry, he shared with them what true greatness was, demonstrating it in the washing of the disciples' feet. He spoke of a loving, radical community that would soon come into being, the church. And this group, he promised, would do even greater works than he himself did. And in chapter 14, beginning at verse 15, those verses we've read, Jesus reveals God's plan to send another person whom he calls the paraclete or advocate or comforter or counsellor or helper you see, Jesus didn't say, off you go, you're on your own now. I'm going to send a helper. One to be with you. And he will make all of this work I have for you possible. Now there's all sorts of views on the work and person of the Holy Spirit. But in the passage we've had read, we have what Jesus himself taught about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is about to depart to the Father. And that act of him going to the Father secures the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this blessing is utterly dependent on the going away of Jesus. Jesus says, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. Luther once said about it, he, the Holy Spirit, 
is another Christ. You see, the disciples had Jesus with them the whole time to help them, encourage them, to be with them when they were down and so on. But Jesus has left. But we have Jesus with us still for all of those needs. And there's six things in this passage that I just want to highlight about the coming of God's Spirit. First of all, it's about building God's kingdom. The Spirit imparts power for the service of Jesus. Jesus came to bring good news of the kingdom of God. In, chapter, in verse 12 of this chapter, Jesus said his followers would do even greater things than he had done. But in what way? How can we do greater things than Jesus? Well, early on in his ministry, Jesus said to his disciples he would make them fishers of people. And when Jesus met with the disciples following his resurrection, he said to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So in part, at least, these greater works are works of mission. Jesus couldn't reach the ends of the earth physically when he was here. But now his people, through the power of the Spirit, can reach out into the whole of the world. And there's no greater work for the Christian and the Christian church than that of sharing the good news. We might have to change a bit to do that. We might have to think of new ideas, people looking on the internet to find out about spirituality. But nevertheless, we need to share the good news. <coughs> Secondly, Jesus with us. I've just hinted at that. Jesus says the Spirit is another, a separate but similar person to himself. I will pray the Father and he will give you another counsellor. Jesus clearly indicates it's not himself, but it is him in another form. You see, the reason the disciples had held firm to their faith through all the ups and downs of their years with Jesus, all the challenges they faced, because he was there with them. He was encouraging them, supporting them, teaching them. They needed him there. The moment they lost sight of him, they started to doubt. But now he promises another person who is coming who will do the same work. So just as the disciples lived day by day with Jesus, we have his presence with us day by day through his spirit. He said to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Jesus walks life's path with us. He promised he would strengthen us and minister to us. So we need to be building God's kingdom. We have Jesus with us. But even more than that, we have God with us. God makes his home with us. The gulf that divided God from his creation will be bridged. And the fruit of Jesus going away will be the fulfilment of the ancient purpose, I will dwell among them 
and be their God. When Jesus is saying that, the, what Jesus is saying is that the triune God, all first persons of the whole of the head Godhead, come to dwell with us. But Jesus said this: this remarkable new resource is unavailable to the world. Maybe that accounts for these statistics we looked at. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him or knows him. We live in a world that, by and large, has done without God. In the summer, we went to Istanbul. It was part holiday, but partly we went for a wedding. Uh, my wife's uh, nephew was marrying a Turkish young lady. They, in fact, got married in this country for legal reasons and then had a big ceremony and celebration in Turkey. Now, you probably know, if you get married in a registry office here, you can't have Bible reading, you can't have prayers, you can't have any mention of God. It has to be secular. That's the law. So we went to their wedding, but no mention of God. We went to Istanbul, and all the family were there, and I think there were about 150 guests. It was a big do. It was very posh. It was on an island where they had a wedding venue, and they had to arrange for ferries to take the guests to the island. Sun pouring. You could swim in the sea if you wanted to. Um, where the wedding meal was, you looked out across the sea towards Istanbul and they laid on a ferry at some ridiculous hour in the evening to take you back to our hotel on another island. And they had this, well, it was a mock wedding, really. It looked like a real wedding, but it, the legal part wasn't there because they'd done that here. But again, there was no mention of God throughout the whole of it. Now, um, his now wife, I mean, she's... With, She's a Muslim, but a non-practicing Muslim. Jill, my wife, has spoken to Jonathan a number of times about some of these issues. And do you know what he did? He went onto the internet and looked up spiritual. Well, you can imagine the sort of answers he might have got there. But they don't do church. They don't do church. I don't know what he would call himself. But this is the world we live in, where God has been pushed out. And it is only as God's Spirit touches people's lives that we're open to God and all that he wants to do. You see, God wants to be with us day by day. Psalm 23 tells us that even in the darkest valley, he's there with us. You remember Job, when he went through those really dark times, he lost his livelihood, his family, his health, everything. But he just hung on. Yeah, he had lots of questions, he had lots of doubts, but he just hung on to his faith in God. You see, God 
is the one who holds this world in his hands. It looks a mess. We don't understand what's going on, but God is there. And he walks with each one of us, even through those dark valleys. And we're called to trust the living God. The writer to the Hebrew said, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's the promise. And the Holy Spirit brings that gift to us. And then, fourthly, there's obedience to Christ's teaching. Love for Christ and the work of the Spirit implies obedience to Christ. The Spirit enables us in our loving obedience to Jesus. But what does it mean to obey Christ? Uh, many, many years ago when I worked at the Middlesex Polytechnic, now Middlesex University in London, colleagues, I used to talk to colleagues and they used to say to me sometimes when issues cropped up, they say, what does your religion allow you to do on this? And it was like, I've got a book, the Bible, and I look up, what's the answer to this problem? What do I do for this? What does it say I can or can't do? And it's very difficult trying to explain, well, that's not quite what it's like. Yes, we are called to be obedient, but it's not a rule book that just gives us all these things. You remember the Pharisee, an expert, expert in the law who came to Jesus? Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which is the top rule? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Secondly, love your neighbour as yourself. Sums up everything. We love God and we love our neighbour. And what does Paul write in Galatians? The fruit of the Spirit, his first thing is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. You see, they're the rules, if you want to put it like that. They're the, the commands. And it's the Spirit that enables us to live by those. I don't like calling them rules because that's not really what they are but how God wants us to be day by day. And love is very practical. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan, caring for someone who's very different to us. That's the love we're called to show. And then in our passage, the Spirit will teach. The Spirit of truth. What is truth? For the disciples, it was important they proclaimed the truth, the things they'd seen and heard. Remember when they had to re um, select a replacement for Judas? It was important that the person they chose was someone, they, who we read, who has been with us the whole time of the Lord Jesus, went about in and out among us, who saw Jesus taken up from us, who was a witness with us of his resurrection. The person they wanted was someone who'd seen it for themselves. 
In other words, they needed someone who was an eyewitness to all the events of Jesus' life. They could vouch for them being true. Today, it's acceptable to believe whatever you want. If it works for you, that's fine. Did you know there's a society called the Flat Earth Society? Those people who believe the Earth is flat. Yeah, it's true. I know someone who, who believes it. Look it up on Google. <laughs> You'll find it. But we know that it's not true. More seriously, there's people, of course, deniers, who say it never happened. But we know it did. And there's been people we've been through it who are witnesses to that. And of course now, we have something called fake news. What's true and what isn't true? The truth is important. Yesterday I went and had my jabs. I'm, I'm Covid's okay in that arm, and I'm flu okay in that arm. <laughs> but you know, some people are saying, this vaccine, it's, got, it's a microchip, it's dangerous nanoparticles, it make you sterile, it'll take, take, you know, do all these things to you. Is that the truth? Or is it lies? Is it important? Surely it's important that we believe what is true, what is the truth. And of course, even worse today is with the situation in Ukraine, what news is being spread in that country. Truth is important. And the Gospels, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus are facts. They're true. We can believe. I don't want to believe there's something that's mad, like flat earth or something. I want to believe in something that's real, that's true, that happened. And the spirit is the spirit of truth, not of fake news or misinformation. And then finally, the sixth thing that we read of is the gift. Paul writing to the Romans says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, his first words were to them, peace be with you. I suspect that people go on these wellness retreats and things are looking for a measure of peace. They're troubled. They're going through difficult times, maybe. They want answers, they want peace. Often, though, the peace they want is a release from the difficulties and ups and downs of daily life. The peace that Jesus offers is not that. It's not a panacea. The peace that Jesus offers is a peace that sees us through the ups and downs of life. His spirit with us 
giving us peace even though we might have all sorts of troubles and fears and things happening he still brings his inner peace to us and I guess many of these people who go on mindfulness courses or whatever else it is they're trying to find a peace that peace can be found only in Jesus and is brought to us by his spirit <coughs> this Holy Spirit made available that peace to the troubled hearts of the disciples and he makes it to each one of us so what can we say in conclusion <coughs> well Jesus is going away is not a loss but again we carry on God's kingdom work in the power of the Spirit. We carry on, we know the presence of Jesus and of God in our lives. We continue to obey the command to love. We know that we have the truth and we have that peace which passes all understanding. <coughs> <coughs>